You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Oz Network as we come to you today for a very special episode, an interview, first interview we've had for you in a little bit. Uh, we are today chatting with the co-creator of Third Watch, Ed Allen Bonero, and this is a very exciting time to be a Third Watch fan. You know I'm giddy with excitement right now to be able to bring this episode to you because we've been covering Third Watch now for a couple of years. We're very much into the thick of things. We're actually very close uh, to the end of Third Watch. We're about to enter the final season. But you've heard myself, you've heard Darvell, you've heard Brandy talk constantly about how great this show is, how much credit it never seemed to get, and what better man to talk about the show itself than one of the guys who actually created the show. Now, in this chat, you're going to hear everything from how Ed got started in the show and from being a cop in Chicago to writing Third Watch, how uh, the show got developed, uh, some of the casting details, some of the people he worked with, who he keeps in touch with, some of his favorite episodes. There's a little bit around the whole 9-11 situation about, of course, how that happened midway through the show in itself. And, of course, how this show was able to survive season to season. Uh, it never actually was renewed, basically, until after every season ended, which is a fascinating thing you'll hear him talk about throughout this episode. So it's a fantastic chat here with Ed. Fantastic that he gave us his time and such a great interview that I know you're going to love. And I will say for people who perhaps are listening week to week with our episodes when it comes to following us in order, uh, there aren't many spoilers. If you haven't seen season six, if you haven't seen beyond season five, uh, you can listen to this quite freely. There's a little bit of discussion about how the show ends, but nothing really too spoilerific when it comes to how it ultimately closes out. So pretty much spoiler warning, not really a spoiler warning here. Here. It is a pretty much open episode for you to be able to listen to. But right now, sit back, relax, enjoy our chat with co-creator of Third Watch, Ed Allen Bonero. It's a pleasure to be able to welcome our next guest here to the Oz Network. You might know him from such shows as Criminal Minds and Trinity, but we're here today to talk about a little show called Third Watch, a show in which he was one of the co-creators Basically, the most prolific writer across the series run and also a director on the show. I'd love to welcome to the Oz Network, Mr. Ed Alan Bonero. Ed, pleasure to have you here on the show today. Well, thank you so much, Ben. It's a pleasure to be here. It's it's a thrill because as a fan of the show, you'll find out throughout this interview, Ed, how much of a fan I am of this show. But for our listeners as well, uh, you know, we've, we've been covering Third Watch now for quite some time. At the time of airing this episode, we're still uh, in the midst of our episode recaps. We're just about to enter the season six. We're very much nearly the end. But I guess on the grand scheme of things, 20 years this year since the show premiered. Does, how does that make you feel when you hear those words say out loud? You know, I actually saw it tweeted. Skip, I think Skipper um, retweeted something that, that said 20 years, and I was actually kind of taken aback. I was stunned because it doesn't feel anywhere near that long ago that we were first uh, um, working at, at Midnight's in New York um, shooting the pilot. It, it just I can't believe that it's already been 20 years. And, and something I should tell you, too, um, I'm a huge fan of the show as well, oddly enough. When, when you're in making these shows – you don't get much of a chance to really appreciate what you're doing because it's too much work to get them done. But since then, I've watched, um, you know, the two seasons that are available on DVD and I've, I've been able to, uh, you know, I've got DVDs of a lot of episodes and I've watched a lot of them. And, and I've been just quite pleased with how 
how well we did on the show and how much we did what we wanted to do to show what it was like to be those people. Um, when I do crime things, I'm so less interested in the criminals than I am and what it feels like to do that. And I think we were able to get that across in a lot of ways about what these these heroes do on a daily basis. It's great to be able to hear that even you're a fan of, because I always am intrigued sort of with, with showrunners, actors, uh, anybody involved in TV shows, uh, whether they do like to sort of, I guess, watch their own work. We've, we've had Guy Norman be on a couple of times and he sort of mentioned that, you know, it's been a while since he's been able to watch any of the episodes that sort of he was involved with. So it's, I mean, it's 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 a show that I personally have always tried to champion. People will say to me, what's your favourite show? I will always say Third Watch. And it's often oh, bless you. R- responded with, oh, what's that show? And because it, I guess on this side of the world, it wasn't that it got moved around a lot. And it's sort Same of... Same thing here. Yeah, yeah. So. It had eight time slots in six seasons. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I mean, that's definitely something I want to talk about at some point in this interview is sort of just the sure. how that kind of affected the show. But from from your perspective, yeah, going from being a, a cop in Chicago to, to helping write this show, at, at what point did you get the writing bug? Was this always something that you had and you just fell into sort of becoming a cop or was it the other way around? Um, No, I... I uh... I knew that I didn't want to stay a cop. Um, I had this kind of epiphany moment about five years into being a cop, and I knew I wanted to get out before 10 years. Um, but I, I, I had ne- never even thought about writing. I, there, I started writing because um, my wife is a surgical nurse, and my kids were in school. I was a midnight shift cop for eight years in Chicago. So they would go to work in school during the day, and I had nothing to do all day. So. Um, people always tell you, oh, you should write a book, man. You've got great stories. You should write a book. So I was like, okay, I think I'll write a book. So I sat down to write a novel, um, and I found, as you'll find during this interview, I tend to ramble. Um, I'll gonna, start talking about in. one thing you'll and end up on the yeah, networks. talking what about totally yep. different. And sometimes I'll stop myself and go, wait a minute, what were we even <laughs> talking about? Um, and I had the same problem in writing. I, I wrote like 12 pages of a novel. I'm, I'm not even on the same subject anymore. Um, I couldn't keep myself focused to, to write you know, a long story. And I was complaining about that fact one night in the squad car to another copper who's an actor. Um, he actually went to, to acting school with uh, uh, John Pankow and um, and Billy, uh, Billy uh, oh, the guy from CSI, Bill, uh, Billy Peterson. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they were like supposed to be the, the three amigos that were going to make it out here. And he ended up um, getting his, his fiance pregnant. Wow. So he stayed in Chicago as a cop with a, with a job, um, and, and they all went, they both went on to become big actors. So I was complaining to him this night about this problem I had, and he just kind of offhandedly said, oh, you should write a script. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, there's rules you got to follow. You know, this by page three, this by page five, so you can't really ramble. And I'm like, where are the rules? And he said, there's a book called Screenplay um, by a man named Sid Field. And it's kind of like the first of the, uh, sort of, um, writing gurus of like, this is how you write a movie script. This, you have to you know the, uh, two plot points that, um, and, and so I read that book in the squad car, um, over the next couple of nights and I got to the end and I said, I think I can do this. So I told my wife, I think I'm going to write a movie script. And she said, does that cost anything? <laughs> and I said, no. And she goes, okay, have fun. And she went to work and the kids went to school and I just started writing movie scripts in my basement literally for something to do i never expected to do it as a job i mean in chicago it's not an option it, you know chicago is very blue collar town like writing movies for hollywood is not even an option so so i just did it really for for myself and then after a couple of uh, three years of, of writing these things my wife read one one day 
And she said, you should send this somewhere because I would watch this. This is something I would actually watch. Um, so so um, we, sent, um, we sent movie scripts to each of the networks because they didn't know how to do this, right? And with like a little letter that said, um, dear CBS, um, I know this isn't the way to do this, but if you could send this to whoever reads these things, I'm a cop in Chicago. Um, and, and a guy from NBC called me. Wow. They had a program called the New Voices Program, and, and he called and asked if I'd ever written tele, uh, television scripts, and I hadn't. Um, so, so I watched, uh, he asked me to write a, a tele, one of their television shows. And uh, I actually, it's weird because I didn't watch television. Because when you're on midnight shift, that, that prime time is the time you sleep. And then you get up and go to work. Um, so my wife taped all the cop shows that were on one week. And then on that, that weekend, I watched all of them. And I, there was a show at the time called Homicide, Life on the Streets. Um, and I said, oh, that feels real. So I wrote an episode of that show and sent it to him overnight. And and, uh, and I think we sent it on like a, a Wednesday. And the following Monday, a whole bunch of agents called me. Wow. Like 14 agents called me in Chicago. Because, um, you know, being a... Being a cop at the time, it's like, yeah, anybody will look at your stuff. So um, it was a pretty good thing to have to go, yeah, he's actually a cop right now. And I, I came out here um, and had a bunch of really good meetings with people, although I had no idea who anybody was. Like I would go and meet John Wells. I didn't know who it was, so I was never nervous. Or or um, David Kelly, or because I didn't watch television. So I'm like, who? Stephen Bochco. I had no idea who Stephen Bochco was. Um, and David Mil David Milch and I just so I went out and, and I was kind of pretty relaxed in these meetings because I didn't know I was meeting big shots. But every meeting ended with some version of, but you don't live here, so you can't really work in television. So I went home and my wife and I decided that that um, the worst that could happen is I could be a cop here and she could be a nurse here in L.A. So we we loaded the kids and we moved to L.A. and, and uh, we moved in October and I started working in, in November and have never not been working since. That's crazy. So it's been yeah, it's been amazing. It's been an incredible um, I'm incredibly lucky. It's been a great experience. Um, but yeah, but that's how it started. I never really intended to do this. It's just kind of became what I am. I loved the you tweeted a reply out the other day um, to sort of a, a response in regards to your career and sort of oh, where you began. Idiot. Yeah, I, I, I love that tweet yeah. where you yeah. wrote to your uh, Chicago, uh, your district commander uh, when yeah. it came to your exit interview and he said uh, basically that you were a fucking idiot for going to Hollywood for a ride. Yeah, he looked at me. <laughs> and by the way, there's no such thing as an exit interview. He made me wait just to tell me that. Wow. Right. I mean, it's a, because when I when I when I actually re resigned, no one knows how to resign from the Chicago Police Department because nobody ever quits. They know how to fire you and put you in jail, but no one ever quits. And the station secretary had to call downtown and find out how you do this. How do you resign? So my district commander made up this thing called the exit interview <laughs> um, and made me wait for him. So I was a midnight shift cop. So I, had, I got off at 730 and he doesn't come in until 1030. So I had to wait three hours for him to get there. Just so he could say to me, he, he looks at this paper and he looks up at me and he says, so you're moving to Hollywood. I said, well, Los Angeles. He goes, to be a writer. And I said, I hope so, because you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> and then he signed the thing. That's all he made me wait for was so he could call me a fucking idiot. Um, and then when I got to L.A., uh, I got I got um, I assignment to write an NYPD Blue um, script. And, you know, the checks are pretty huge for writing television shows. 
Um, and and it's kind of in, in the neighborhood of, of more than half what you make in a, in a year as a cop. Wow. And I wrote on I wrote on it. Um, not bad for a photocopy that wrote not bad for a fucking idiot and mailed it to him. Um, so that that's the last I ever heard from my district commander. I was going to say, did you ever get a response? But obviously, you know, he was uh, no, put in his no, place. No, never. No. <laughs> Fantastic. No, never. Well, I guess having yeah. not watched TV then, had you heard of ER? I mean, you said you'd never sort of heard of John Wells, but I mean, I guess you couldn't have avoided that's ER an interesting in the thing. ER was something that... All the we when you're a cop when you're a street cop you spend most of your time in emergency rooms, especially a midnight shift cop. The nurses in the emergency rooms would talk about ER all the time, but I had never actually seen it. I knew of it. I knew of it because everybody was talking about it, but but I had actually never seen it. Interesting, interesting. Because I I know yeah. from my personal experience how I got into Third Watch was basically obviously through ER. I'm assuming a lot of people probably saw the promos, you know, from the creators of ER right. and were switched over to it. But because um, I know through working with John on Trinity, and I know we spoke to Kim Raver and kind of you know a lot of it seems that a lot of connections coming from the early days of Third Watch came from Trinity because you had Kim, you had Bobby as well, I believe, coming from Trinity. And then that all yeah, sort of seen. led into them being cast into that. So at what at what point are you talking with John and all of a sudden this idea comes up with, hey, let's create a show and you have these ideas, he has these ideas, and then ultimately it becomes yeah. Third Watch? Uh, you know, it's not that unusual that shows are sort of um, created from the show before them, that that, that um, a lot of the people that you work with on there that you're – I mean, a lot of the crew was the same crew from Trinity. We just kind of moved up – moved them over into, uh, into Third Watch. Um what happened was Trinity, John brought me in for Trinity, um, which was a, a show about an Irish family in New York. Um, and I'm a, an Italian from Chicago. So I think he only wanted me because one of the characters was a cop. Hmm. Um, the, the, the Justin, Justin, Justin's character, Justin's character was a cop, was a New York City cop detective. Um, so, so we did that and I was writing the, the uh, 11th episode of that show when it was canceled. Um, and he called me and he said, um, John called me while I was in the office writing. And he said, um, unless you need a really good spec script, I would stop writing that 11th episode. And I went, uh-oh. <laughs> and he said, and come on over to my office. So he had me come over to his office and he said that he had been, um, he had a lot of research um, of things that happened outside the ER from doing ER, that things in the ambulances, that things before people got to the ER. But he didn't think it was enough to make a show. So he said, would you like to create a cop show and put it with my paramedic show? And, and that's kind of the genesis of, of Third Watch. I said, well, let me think about it. Yeah, okay, I'll do that. So um, he created the, the, the medical side and I created the police side initially. That was the, the initial idea was that he had did all this stuff and, uh, from, from ER. From, uh, because uh, I guess NBC wanted a spinoff of ER and... Uh, so this was kind of that ver- this version of that, and uh, and and yeah, and Bobby and Kim were ported over from Trinity, and um, you know I still love both of those people. Mm. I love the cast of that show very much. It's it, it's amazing. I I I've done a lot of shows since then, um, but but I didn't know it at the time because it was my first show. But it was a it was pretty unique. Third Watch was pretty unique. I mean, partially because it was one of the one of the one of the first shows that were sort of um, separated that, that we filmed it in New York and we did the, the production here. So whenever I, I would go to New York, which was two or three times a month, you're away from home, which was for me the first time I'd ever actually been 
away, been alone because I was 17 when I got married. Um, so, so there's a different kind of um, family feeling that that comes up around being on location that that you really don't have anyone else. So, um, it's a unique experience that that I haven't had again in other shows, and I still very much love everyone that's on it. I, I talk like Skipper all the time. There's you know they're still my friends, Skipper and Beach. Uh, Beach is, is one of my best friends out here. I love Beach and, and, and Jason Wiles. I've recently sort of reconnected with Jason Wiles. He just did another, um, movie on it on his own. And, and Kimmy, I used to see Kimmy all the time, but she's very busy now. Um, and Bobby, I've been trading emails back and forth with Bobby C. Um, it's just an amazing group of people that I still very much love and miss. Well, that's the thing I think that draws a lot of people uh, from my personal experience and other people that we've had on this show, not only people involved in the show, but even sort of our co-hosts who love Third Watch is, is I think it is the cast that draw, drew everyone into this. And it really, yeah. one thing we've often talked a lot about is how so many of these great actors really haven't gone on to bigger and better things. I mean, obviously, Bobby has, Kim has, you know, Eddie, a lot of them have. But, yeah. you know, I, I look at someone like you mentioned, Jason, uh, you know, Molly Price, you know, um, people like this who I think are, are so good on Third Watch, who really show their chops, and just, I feel, after Third Watch, haven't really had that opportunity to kind of have a, a bigger role. I mean, does something like that surprise you with the talent that you had on the show? Um, yeah, very much. But, but a lot of this stuff is, um, it, it's one of the reasons I'm, I'm glad I'm a writer and not an actor because it, it, you're, you're not in control of your career as an actor. You, you have to wait until someone writes something that you can do. Um, and you have to be there at the right moment. And I mean, it's pretty, um, it's pretty lightning in a bottle for, for actors to, uh, to, uh, to get cast in one of these things. Um, we've had a lot of people who started on Third Watch too, who became really big. Like Carrie Washington did her first ever thing on on Third Watch, and Elizabeth Banks played. If, if you watch the first couple of episodes, played um, the district commander's daughter that that Bosco had an affair with. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like sometimes I watch these old episodes, I go, "Holy crap, Elizabeth Banks!" I think you had three or two future Oscars. Three. You, I know J.K. Simmons was in an episode. Um, yeah. There was, I love Jake. There was another one, and then obviously uh, Helen Mirren. So there's at least three. I'm trying to yeah. forget the third one, but I know there's. We, we counted this. Uh, how many future Oscar it, nom- Helen, nominees? Helen came on because uh, Simon Mirren was one of the writers, her nephew, mm-hmm. and uh, and he, he told me one time he said, you know, she's a big fan of the show, and I'm like, are you serious? Do you think she would want to do it? So so she called me on the phone. And said she would do it if she didn't have to play a matron, which in in Britain is like a is a detective, a a, 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 cop, a female cop in Britain is a matron. Um, and I said, well, no. I said, how about a junkie? <laughs> and she goes, oh, darling, I've never been able to do that. So <laughs> so she came on and played a um a a, a former Vietnam nurse yeah. who was uh, Grace's mother. To Grace's mother. Um, yeah. yeah, Grace's mother. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And even so and even awesome. Chad, Chadwick Boseman, uh, obviously quite a big deal now. Yeah. Um, and we we and like it's even some of the random sort of people you had in terms of like I mean Rosie O'Donnell obviously had the cameo. You had the likes of Eve. Yeah. I mean Gene Simmons, Henry Winkler. Um, you know, yeah. so many great people that kind of came and, about. And, and I'm still friends with so many of those people because of it. It's a it was it was a pretty unique experience. It was very family. Um, you know, we would bring someone like Gene in, he would just kind of become part of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, 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 I haven't had that since. Although Criminal Minds is close. Criminal Minds, except we all live where Criminal Minds is made, so everyone goes home. 
and they have their own lives. It's a different experience than when you're you're sort of stuck somewhere um, where where you really only have each other. Yeah. Like we don't go out to dinner very much here in in New York. We would go out to dinner all the time together because we really that we were each other's friends. Which is again as. Any fan of this show likes to hear that you guys still remain friends because we all create these worlds in our head, Ed, that everyone's still living in harmony from Third Watch after all these years. So we, we will take right, that right, right. when it happens. One thing that, I, I mean, it's a constant theme, I know, sort of on, on the Season 1 DVD, there was the, the documentary, and I know you speak in that uh, about how the show is about characters, not about their jobs. And I've, I've obviously read in a few different interviews too over the years um, that that is the common theme. I I feel that that really was on show in those first three seasons. I think kind of, to me, that's peak third watch where, you know, you're so drawn into the characters, particularly season two, because there was obviously such that shift towards the character-centric episodes. Do you feel there was a point where it did kind of sway more to the job side of things? And, and if so, was that network-driven? Was that something that you just was a development of the show? Do you feel it did change at a certain point more towards the the stories rather than the characters? Um, no, I don't, I don't think that that's true. I think actually, um, that's an interesting question. There was nothing on purpose that happened. It's, it's, it's interesting that you had that, um, that, that, uh, uh, understanding of it. Um, but no, it was actually quite the opposite. Um, the, the, the more after the, uh, the show, when the show first started, NBC wanted emergency. That's why they put us on on Sunday nights. That was the first slot for it was Sunday nights. Um, and they just wanted it to be action, 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 action. Um, it's, it's, in fact, it's the reason that John felt the show had to be set in New York or Los Angeles because he didn't think we'd, or there'd be enough actors. Because basically the police department is the Chicago police department on there. The, the watch, third watch is not even a New York term. It's a Chicago term. Um, they don't have watches in New York. That's a Chicago thing. But John didn't feel that there would be enough actors in the Chicago acting community because he wanted this thing where there were like 20 different cases a night, that it was boom, 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 um, from job to job to job. And when I kind of took over um, uh, the show, I I actually slowed all of that down and said, no, I want to find out who these people are more than anything. So it's interesting that you would have that that feeling that it it got more that way because in my mind it got less that way. It's. I mean, we sort of discussed a lot, I think, because, uh, I mean, from that perspective, I, I, I just think the, sh- the shift it felt sort of, particularly in the latter half of the fifth and then into the sixth season, where, I mean, it became, I think, a little bit more cop-centric, uh, and then kind of just with a lot of the action set pieces, it, it sort of would come across as a little bit more like, here's the weekly explosion, and we're sort of not getting right. necessarily the character depth that we got earlier in sort of, I mean, particularly season two, which I obviously want to talk about, because, I mean, that, to me, is just almost yeah. a perfect season of television. I mean, that's kind of, I think, where I feel it just kind of swayed a little bit, at least from that side of things. You know, it's, it, may, it may have. It may have been um, uh, a little bit like one of the things you may be feeling is every time they would change our time slot, which they changed a lot. We had eight time slots in six slots in six seasons. Uh, every time they would do it, I think we would feel like we needed to do something to get attention. Um, like something that we could promo. Um, okay, so now we're on Thursdays or now we're on Wednesdays at nine. Um, something they could promo. So we did things like big shootouts and 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 um, I think because primarily what we were trying to do was get attention in promos and trying to get NBC to promote us. 
Mm. Um, and and if anything, it's harder to promote the character. If anything happened, it's that it's harder to promote the character beats. Um, so so I, I think we did get sort of um, uh, bigger and bigger in action uh, moments, things that we could promote. Um, also, when you talk about becoming more cop-centric, one of the things that we learned fairly early on is the reason there are not a proliferation of, of paramedic and fireman shows is drama lives in the gray, right? Um, there's not much gray to what paramedics and firemen do. They get to a scene, they don't discuss whether or not to bring someone to the hospital. They don't, you know, sort of like, um, we like to joke that paramedics in some ways become glorified cab drivers. It's like you pick someone up where they got hurt and take them to where the doctors do stuff. And that's ER, the show ER. Um, we were kind of stuck with the stuff in the middle and there's not a lot of drama to what they do in the field. Um, we delivered babies. We had, you know, we had a uh, um, beach. I think at one time uh, actually um, massaged a guy's heart to, uh, while they brought him in. I mean, there's, there's only, there's kind of a limited number of things that they can do in the field. Um, so it ends up being, okay, so what are we going to do as a paramedic show? I mean, it, it, their shows ended up becoming, their stories ended up becoming much more personal um, than, than plot driven. Um, and, and the more we got to, to where it's like the only kind of gray we could do are these cop stories. I think it started to feel a little bit more, um, cop showy. Um, but it's not something that we wanted. It's just sort of like, we didn't know after season five, like how many times can we, you know, have them say, uh, uh, GSW, you know what I mean? There, there are certain things it's like, oh my God, I don't know how we do this again. Um, so, so that's probably what you felt. It was just kind of the natural, um, the natural evolution of the show into, um, you know, everybody wanted to write cop shows. It was like, sometimes I would have to insist on, no guys, we got to do something with beach. We got to do something with, you know, cause we had great actors on the show. Mm. Um, and, and, and we weren't using them all. And was it difficult too, when Eddie left halfway through season five, because obviously you've only got the one main character who's a, who's a firefighter. Obviously you have people like DK and Walsh who kind of developed into these actors on their own. You know, but, they were real firemen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, was, DK and Billy Walsh, they were, and DK married yeah, to DK, Molly Price too, of course. DK married Molly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, was that a difficult transition then to be able to find a, a point of do we bring in a new firefighter? Do we just kind of continue with who we've got at this point? No, we brought in a couple. We brought in a couple of guys, um, and, and they, they just didn't kind of work out. I mean, no, nobody really sparked to them. Um, it's a uh, like as I said, it's it's difficult um, because they're heroes, right? almost all the time they're heroes. It's, it's, it's hard to portray drama in that respect. I mean, they, they jump out windows and that, you know, once they, once you do a lot of those sort of surface things, um, it wasn't easy to find stuff that was firehouse related to do them, to do with stories. So we tried a couple of people. We had, a, um, Joseph Cora came in as, as a fireman, I know. And we had, a, um, uh, who's the really handsome guy? A really handsome young guy. Oh, Stu Lot of Z's. I can't remember the actor's name, if that's the one you're talking about. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. His name, that was his name, a lot yeah, of Z's. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, but, but, yeah. But, uh, so we did try. Mm -hmm. um, and, and like I said, no one was more interesting than the real firemen. Mm. The real firemen were, were phenomenal. You know, DK has a great face, and Billy Walsh looks like, you know, son, we used to call him Sun and Billy Walsh because he had the little... Um, <laughs> well, they're naturals, the too. Little, uh, you, I, I think you yeah. can't tell they're, they're not actors until you sort of read yeah. into a little bit of the show because they are such natural actors. 
And they were all, they, we did episodes, like we had the episode where Paul Glazer came in and was the, uh, that led up to Beach's departure from the show. And, and they were all great in it. I just loved working with them. Yeah, yeah. They all, the first day on the pilot, I remember when we met them all, they were just happened to be in the firehouse that we used in the pilot. Fantastic, fantastic. And, Rest yeah. is history. And DK still works as an actor now. Oh, fantastic. Wow, didn't realize that. There you go. I, I mean, I keep mentioning season two, and anybody who listens to this show would have known that when we aired all those episodes, how much I, I'm praising the uh, the entire season itself. Um, and I, I read uh, an right. old interview um, from Entertainment Weekly in which yourself and John sort of are talking about, uh, and you kind of already mentioned a little bit about how you know, a lot of this first season, there was a lot of action. And then a lot of, I guess, the feedback was, we don't know who these people are. There's too much going on. You know, they've, we're basically right. telling the stories of nine different people every single episode. When you switch over to those character-centric episodes, I mean... Actually, if I could, if I could correct you, the first, the first group of episodes, we told the story of the, the victims mm-hmm. less than the people who were doing it. That, that it was about the people who were, whatever was happening to them, it kind of started out focusing on them which i think was was the mistake right and then people obviously misconstrued that as more about the action rather than the the victims yeah okay got you yeah exactly but i mean as as someone who's i guess writing uh working with someone like john wells i mean i could imagine season two would have been such an interesting season to be able to sit down and say okay this entire episode we're going to focus on on molly's character we're going to really delve into to faith yokus and we're going to do one really on doc parker because you learn so much about these characters in their own episodes the way they were doing and you're still telling great stories about it was season two the best season that you worked on i'm trying to really hope that you're going to say yes to this one ed <laughs> Yeah, look, I'm really proud of it, but that's a little bit like asking me which of my kids is my favorite. It's sort of like, you know, um, I, I loved everything about it, but I, I'm glad that, that season two is something that you responded to because it, um, it was a purposeful shift in the way we did the show. Um, in fact, by the end of that season, it's when John turned the show over to me because um, uh, I don't know that he, you know, totally wanted to could could work in that direction because I used to be this. So, um, but by midway through the season, I think he was letting me run it anyway. And by the end of the season, he turned it over to me. So, so, um, yeah, it was a purposeful shift into, um, uh, for want of a better phrase, the show I wanted to do in the first place, because mm. all I ever really cared about was the people who do these jobs and why they do them. Mm. It's, and I will say, we, what we we do in every single episode is that we end up ranking the episodes. So, I mean, at the time of recording this, Ed, uh, we've finished all our episode rankings. So, I've got all 132 okay. episodes ranked. Don't call me a geek. Oh, it's great. okay. Um, but the top two episodes to me come from season two. And number one is an episode that you wrote, After Hours, which to me is just an absolutely... After Hours is one of my favorite. You know, that show is played in, in high schools. Oh, wow. Um, at, at like prom and, and homecoming time. Mm-hmm. It can, it's about a group of kids that die in a car accident. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's still one of my favorite episodes. That was B. That and, was Guy B, one of Guy B's first episodes, yeah. I know he mentioned to and me... And my daughter is in that episode. Is she? Which one's she? My daughter is the blonde girl, the the uh, the blonde girl in the bowling. Oh, really? That's my daughter oh, Amanda. There you yeah. go. Look at that. I didn't even yeah. know that. Fantastic. Wow. I know. In talking to Guy about it though, actually, because the one thing that sort of I really appreciated, because obviously, you know, it, he was saying about how it's kind of like the the most supernatural episode of Third Watch. Obviously, with those elements, it sort of of the the teenagers after the. Accident. I never saw it that way though. You didn't see it that way. 
No, to me, um, th- th- it wasn't literal. Um, I had a, a lot of discussion with the actors about it because there was a, there was a bit of pushback from the actors about what the hell is this? And I, I had I explained to them that I've had maybe fifteen or twenty people die in my presence, and I carry them with me still. Um, they're not literal ghosts, but I think about them quite a bit. And and to me, I carry them with me and always will. And I was explaining to them how how much this affects you to be there at the moment of someone's death and how you, you kind of um, subconsciously carry them with you. So so while it read on the show as ghosts, I thought it was more just internally that they were going to carry them with them forever. Right. Okay. It's, I always like hearing these different perspectives of kind of how these do, because obviously as a writer, you've got this vision, then the director comes on board and they've sort of got a vision. So it's kind of, I guess, I mean, you work together, but at the same time, it's not uncommon to have those different visions of how the episode sort of comes across. Yeah, and, and it doesn't really matter at the end of the day what I thought, right? Because it's like, okay, so so the director has to take me. It's an interesting art form, screenwriting, because... Um, it's one of the few art forms where when the first artist is finished, it doesn't exist, right? It's like it just has to be turned over to someone else, to a director and to actors to, to sort of um, interpret. Um, so so in, in some ways, you give them the clay and then you let them make um, whatever comes out of it, but it's got to be made from that clay. Wow, that's a good point. So, so I learned early on to, to divorce myself from what someone else does it that does with it. Um, cause it's cool. Like whatever you want to do, go. I, I have always, um, not only on third watch, but on criminal minds and other shows that I've done since then encourage the directors to direct, right? Like make your little movie. There's no rules. We don't, we do, we don't do this kind of shot. We don't do that kind of shot. Do whatever you want to do. Um, just make it a, 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 a an episode of third watch. Mm-hmm. And, and I always feel like that from the writing standpoint too. It's like, look, I wrote it. It will always mean that to me. If it doesn't mean that to, to Bobby, or to 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 J Dubs uh, whilst we had to, to perform those things. I don't care, but I know what it means to me, and it's totally fine that it means something different to them and to the audience. No, no different. No different to how a musician will write and record a song that means something to them. But if if you listen yeah. to it, you're going to interpret differently and have your own meaning from it. Exactly. Exactly. Exactly the same. I've heard John Lennon talk about that. That people tell him all the time, "You wrote that song for me." He goes, "No." I wrote that song for me. If it means something to you, that's nice, but I didn't know you. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, very true. Uh, it's actually interesting. I, I went through sort of the, the rankings list um, and the top 10 episodes, I actually worked out which ones you had written or been involved in. You actually wrote five of the top 10 episodes that I ranked of Third Watch. Oh, thank you. So um, thank you. that was, yeah, pretty crazy to think that. Uh, other ones, I'll just say, personal favorites that I've got up here, Last Call, A Call for Help, great episodes, and both parts of Judgment Day, part one and part two. Uh, which just fantastic episodes. Do you have a favorite episode out of all the ones that you know? Um, I, like I said, that's asking me for my favorite kid. I mean, I love every one of them, and and I love them even more now um, after a space of time than I did at the time. Because uh, at the time, all you think about are the difficulties in shooting it. Because um, every episode of Third Watch had some unique difficulty that you didn't see coming. Um, um, uh, working in New York and and what you can find and what you can't find. I mean, you know, being a writer is one of the, the um, easiest parts of this because I can do anything. Um, I haven't had to hit backspace yet to say, okay, we can't do that location. That comes down the road when we go out and try to find these locations. Um, but but there are episodes that mean a lot to me. Like After Hours um, means a lot to me because it feels very um, real to my experience. Um, 
Call for Help is 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 one of my favorite episodes for any number of reasons. Number one being it's the first episode I ever directed. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you if you know the episode, there's no cuts in it. Yeah. It's 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 as real shot. as being being a street cop feels on a television show to me. Um, and you know that that you know the story of it, right? That that actually happened yeah. to me. That's yeah. that's 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 like an actual forty five minutes that happened to me in that exact order. Um, and, and, uh, um, so, so that episode always means a lot to me. Um, I, I don't know. They all mean something to me. It's, it's funny that there are, there are episodes that mean more to me than I think that, than well to anyone else. I'm surprised after hours is high on your list. That's really, that makes me happy because it's very high on my list It's it, and call for help as well. It's, it's fascinating actually, because, um, I've actually recently, my fiance started watching it because when I was sort of doing the final few episodes when we were covering sort of season six, she would, you know, catch me watching a few and she's like, I'll watch your show. This show is pretty interesting. So I'm like, okay, well, that makes me happy. Let's go back and watch it from the very beginning. And when we came to After Hours, I said to her, I'm like, right, this to me is the best episode of Third Watch and one of my favorite episodes of television ever. And she sort of, after it finished, sort of looked at me and she's like, I really like that episode. I love that episode. Because to me, it goes back to what I was saying about the characters and that, yes, you've sort of got that element of kind of the job and everything that you're sort of staying with them. But I also really love the fact that you've kind of got this this level of interaction between the characters. I love the fact that you're mixing it up. So you've got Bosco and Kim, you know, you've kind of got Bobby and Taylor, uh, sorry, uh, Davis and Taylor and things like that. Like, it's just, I like that mix up. And... The thing with the cast is that everybody like that just too, works so way. well. The cast really liked that too, that they got to work with people they didn't normally work with. Mm. No, it was, it was fantastic. It was a lot of fun for Beautifully shot. And everything about it, the soundtrack, like the, the song that you use uh, sort of in the beginning and the end, uh, Give Me and Strength, yeah. was just so good. Um, I still listen to it this day, so... Uh, don't get me on these tangents, Ed. I'll, I'll, I'll be... Um... That was Enya, right? That was the Enya? Uh, was no, the Enya, Enya was um, in uh, when Bobby died. So that was when... Um, uh, not Requiem for a Bantuate, the one afterwards where Kim had the, the candle. That one was uh, was over... Give Me Strength by a band called Over the Rhine. That was that one in that Oh, episode. of course, of course, of course. Yeah. Which, um, I mean... Yeah, the... we had a lot of music that we did on the show. Actually, I think that's one of the reasons that more episodes aren't available which i think has always been the consensus a lot of people still to this day you'll see the comments is great show love the first two seasons when can i watch season three four five and six because it's basically the music that everyone sort of said is always holding it back yeah that 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 um during the run of the show or right during the time after the show um music rules have changed so much that that they can't essentially the studio can't afford to release more of the show Unless we go back in through it and take all the music out, mm. um, which I think in, in a lot of ways is an integral part of the show. Mm-hmm. So that's always been the, the difficulty is the music, uh, clearing the music. You're mentioning sort of about, um, you know, challenges adapting and obviously, you know, mentioning New York and key thing that clearly happened halfway through the show essentially was 9-11. I mean, before I sort of talk about those specific episodes, the one question that I would love to find an answer to, how much into season three was written before 9-11 like did you have a direction of where that season was going and how significantly did 9-11 change that overall direction of where you wanted to go in season three um that's that's a a tough question um it it we were um i think we were like episode seven or eight was being written um and we had planned to start the season with 
oddly, oddly enough, with an episode where, or the third episode of what we were getting ready to shoot, and it was an episode about a building collapse. So we had to scuttle that, and and I think that's how we ended up with doing an episode called The Relay, yep. which was um, a heart, because that, that was just sort of like they had to, re- had to write in a weekend, um, had to change, completely change direction. Um, but, but there was a period um, where I wasn't going to do the show anymore. Um, um, so what happened on 9-11 is I was in my office when it happened because I, I would go to my office at the same time we were shooting. We were actually shooting, um, but we were shooting on the stages. And from our stages, you could see the World Trade Center. So after the first plane hit, most of our crew went up to the roof of the building just to watch that. And they saw the second plane hit. Now, I actually had the television on in my office. At, at, I was in my office. I used to get to my office about five in the morning because we would start shooting around that time in New York. Um, and, uh, and, and we all watched it kind of happen. Um, and then I, I went home. I, I remember calling John and telling John that, that something really bad was happening. You should turn the television on. And then the Pentagon happened. And, you know, um, so so. We shut down in New York, and I got in the car, and I went home and watched the rest of it during the day at home. And I got called by, and and by a very high NBC executive at home, and he said, um, he said, Ed, I know you, so I know that I can say this to you. There's only two shows on television who are going to benefit from today. One of them is Jag, and one of them is Third Watch. And I said, Well, then I quit. And, and he said, what? I said, I don't want to be on the show that benefits from 3,000 people being murdered. Hmm. I don't. I just don't want to make it anymore. Um, so, so essentially, I quit. I had, had a, a, a sort of some big fight with John Wells about um, – he felt it was our job to interpret it for people. I thought that that was bullshit, that people watched it happen, John. Get off your fucking high horse. We don't need to interpret it for anybody. Um, so, so what happened is – we spent a lot of time, we, me and the crew, not, not myself, but the crew, spent a lot of time at the pile helping out. We, we took all of our generators and lights and, and a lot of our stuff. And a lot of people don't realize that most of the fire trucks in the city got buried. Um, and we had prop fire trucks. We had trucks that were real fire trucks that they had given to us um, that we lent back to them, because lent to the city um, uh, so that they had regular equipment. Um, and what happened is the firemen who were at the pile kept asking when we were going to start shooting again, because in their minds, it was the only show on television about firemen at the time. So I don't think I would have continued on if not for the fact that the firemen wanted us to do it, that, that the firemen asked, they said, no, you got to keep doing it. You got to keep telling our stories because no one else is. And then we had a huge, uh, huge fight about what we were going to do. Um, like how we were going to honor 9-11 9-11 happening, what we were going to do. Now, I wanted to, to me, I, I'm going to say something that initially might sound harsh, but I, I, I mean it in the best possible way. Um, the people who died on 9-11 are tragic, the, the cops and firemen and paramedics, but they're not heroes, heroes to me. To me, the people who are heroic are the people who went to work on 9-12 knowing 9-11 was possible, Right. That to me is what's interesting is like, how do you, you know, tell your wife or your husband or significant other, I have to go to work when you know they're begging you not to, that they're saying, please don't go because so many people didn't come home the day before. Um, And that's what I wanted to portray was the the people that survived having to go in 
and do this. I didn't think there was any way that we could um, dramatize what happened on that day that would be anywhere near worth the sacrifice that was made. So what I wanted to do is do, you know, 912. Um, and John, as I said, felt like we needed to do something uh, that 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 takes into that that not takes into account, but that's of that day. Um, so that's how we ended up with um, we did it. We did an episode called "In Their Own Words" um, because every one of our tech and I knew that every one of our tech advisors had been in some way, shape, or form involved in 9/11. Mike Keenan, our cop advisor, was buried in both buildings twice. Uh, he got buried in the rubble of both buildings. So I said, the only the only way I'll continue with this is if we let them tell their stories. So we did a, an episode called In Their Own Words, which was just uh, we just had them come in and just talk um, about what happened. Um, and that in, in my heart, let me um, let me go forward because we did pay homage to them without using it. I, I also didn't want to use use the tragedy of, of what happened that day as a as a as fodder for making up stories. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just didn't think that was right. Um, and, and so what ended up happening is John wrote an episode, I think it was called September 10th. And then I did the next episode after that, that um, I, I didn't really have much to do with September 10th. Um, but that was sort of the way I, I was able to move forward is to, is to like go past it. Um, and say, this is what's heroic, are the people who went the next day. And then we were able to, over the course of the rest of the show, tell stories from that day um, where there was a little bit of breathing space, right? Stories like like the fact that the paramedics set up a triage and no one ever came um, and, and how, how much that affected them. I mean, that, that's we sort of ended up making that Beach's downfall, um, Doc's downfall is that no one ever came. And that's not what he didn't take this job to be a coroner. He took this job to, to help people. And, and what do you do when there's no one to help? Um, so we were able to, um, to, to use some of it, I think, in respectful ways. But, but that was a very difficult time, very I, difficult time for, for us. I think it's interesting you bring up the, the Michael Beach section because I think also we got some great stuff later in that season when sort of Bosco had his breakdown too and sort of, uh, yep. you know, the, the one yep. scene when he's uh, on the floor basically just breaking down to, to Yokus, um, just such powerful stuff. So I think from my perspective and what we talked about, we said that we don't think any show – sort of, I guess, covered what happened on 9-11 better than what Third Watch did. Again, we're probably very biased, Ed. Thank you. But I, I know I've read in sort of interviews that you frequented fan forums and kind of got the, the feedback. What, what was that feedback like? That I mean, it was a very difficult time for America, I can imagine, in terms of people questioning, should we be doing this sort of even as you had that question. So was there a lot of positive feedback around how you guys handled the sort of the attacks um, with those episodes? Um. I, I don't know. I don't remember getting much fan feedback on this. My, my, my hesitation to it, I said, was, was kind of internal. That, that my knowledge that there were people, um, at least at the network, who thought this was good for us, that, that was a major stumbling block for me. Um, that, 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 you know, whether passively or not, I just didn't want to help with that. Um, I, I don't remember... I honestly don't remember other than, other than, as I said, like the firemen and policemen that wanted us to come back on. That was the only feedback that I really listened to. Um, that's all that mattered to me at the time was, was whether these, these men and women um, were going to feel exploited. Mm -hmm. 
like it, when we come back on, are they going to feel like we're benefiting from what happened to, to their brothers and sisters? Um, so that was the only feedback about 9-11 that, that I really paid any attention to. Um, so, so yeah, I don't remember, I don't remember doing any fan, um, to be honest with you, it's kind of at the beginning of, of, it, I, I don't really, there wasn't a whole lot of involvement from fans, I think, until the very end of Third Watch and certainly Criminal Minds. By the time Criminal Minds came on, there were forums and, and, uh, um, that was kind of a late in Third Watch's life thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if by, if by when 9-11 happened, um, when it did, that there was a whole lot of that. I yeah. I remember um, the promos actually in Australia for it very tastefully done and just I think I mean that was when the show was still fairly you know recent after it aired in the US so um, you know I, I I think it was still at the height of its powers I guess in Australia um, the the question I think sort of moving forward with the show itself now obviously it goes to season six but was there how how much were, was the show living, I guess, from season to season? Like, was there a point where you thought the show was going to end earlier than season six? I guess the overall question is, how much was it um, an effort, if that's the correct word, to get to six seasons? Because, as you said, so many sh- sort of slot changes. It didn't seem to sort of get that attention after a certain point. Was it tricky to get to six seasons? We never ended a season knowing where we're back. Never. We never ended a season saying, okay, I'll see you next year. Every year was we could get canceled in the hiatus. We never once ended a season knowing. Um, uh, in fact, I, I was grateful to NBC for calling and telling me that six was going to be the end, that they, that, you know, we were doing like the third, the fourth or third to the end. And they called me and said they weren't going to bring it back for the following year. So we were able to end the show. Um, but yeah, it was always a struggle. We never knew. We never knew if we were coming back ever. We'd have to, We'd have to finish the season and then um, figure out sort of like the overarching next season and then go to NBC and present to them what we were going to do. And then they would wait till the pilots all came in. And and at the very end, we would get called like sort of the same day they were picking up pilots. We would get called and find out that we were coming back. So we had to sort of come back in and start writing. But, yeah, it was a struggle every year. We never knew. And I could imagine – as a as a writer, as a co-creator, the show's you know basically one of your children. It's kind of your baby. I mean, as someone who still to this day obviously admires the show, do do you feel it never got the attention it, it thoroughly deserved? Do you think it should have been a show that lasted longer or given more of an opportunity than it ultimately was? Yeah, I mean, of course I do. Um, I I still love the show. I think it was. Uh, um... Yeah, I, I don't know that NBC ever knew how to promote it. I don't know. Uh, as I said, they thought they had they were they were doing a show called Emergency again, um, and and I think they promoted it as kind of an action show and not a not a uh, it was more of a relationship show than anything. Um, and and I think just the fact that NBC basically their whole schedule now is versions of Third Watch in 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 you know microcosm form. Um, tells me that yeah it could it could go today i mean there are people who are you know today watching if you look at i mean chicago med chicago uh fire chicago it's all third watch um, 911 is ryan murphy's yeah, version exactly. of third watch um, <laughs> yeah and then then dick wolf did a show called fbi which is criminal minds it's like sort of like he's a, a never-ending quest to do everything i've ever done <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i certainly think it could work today I, I mean like i said i think nbc's whole schedule shows that it could work today 
Was there uh, was there plans, initial plans for anything season seven? Like, had you started coming up with ideas of where you could go into season seven? Well, like I said, they let us know um, six or seven weeks before the end of the season that it wasn't going to come back. So, so not only am I grateful for letting us end the show, but we it let other people on the show sort of find something else in the hiatus. For for you know, um, that's how I, I ended up on Criminal Minds because um, when Criminal Minds pilot was shot in in Vancouver, I was directing the last episode of third watch so and i was already assigned i knew i was going to criminal minds when that ended so so yeah we knew we were able to um sort of slide into the ending and end the show properly yeah and i i think that after all these years uh i mean i love the fact that you close it out with the montage of the way you do it and going back to the music as well just the connection that you have with uh, Battersea by Hoover Phonic in the pilot yeah, to closing yeah. out. I mean, I'm guessing that's a, that's got to yeah. be a deliberate choice. That's not just by circumstance. Oh yeah, of definitely, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, there are things that 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 uh, definitely we we tried to call back to the. To, um, I mean, the uh, the pilot's name is Welcome to Camelot, and the last is Goodbye to Camelot. I mean, we definitely. You know, I watched that first season again and what things do we want to close up. And, and you know, we, we uh, there are things that are my personal favorites, like ending with Sully saying crap. <laughs> um, and, and it just sort of like um, and, and by the way, every extra in that episode is a crew member. Right. The entire crew appears in that episode, in that final episode as paramedics, as firemen, as whatever. But every member of the crew is in that episode. Um, so, yeah. So. So, yeah, there were definitely um, purposefully. We, we tried to close as many things out as possible and let people know where they were going to be. Because I know the people who love that show love those characters and wanted to know where they're going to be. How tricky is that as a writer to be able to come up with that ending? Because, I mean, we've, we've obviously seen recently with Game of Thrones ending that, you know, I mean, again, different period of television. Don't get when me we... started. <laughs> yeah. That obviously, well, there are still people who are very angry with that. But, I mean, as, as a writer, to be able to come Myself up... Myself included. Yeah. <laughs> To come up with that conclusion of where you feel these characters would be, is it? Can you say to fans who are pissed off at, Crimer, uh, at Game of Thrones that it is very difficult to end a show and satisfy everyone? Um, I, I actually, <laughs> I don't think it's difficult. <laughs> I think you just have to respect everything that you did. That that the the the, the uh, you have to respect the world you built for the audience. Right. Um, they have expectations of who Bosco is. And I just think that, you know, we do this thing on, on I have this thing that I do at the end of every season of every show I've ever been on, which is we, we do a cliffhanger. And what we try to do is write ourselves into the worst corner possible. And then I won't let anyone think about a solution. Everyone has to go home and go on vacation. And then when you come back, now we have to figure out how to write our way out of this. And it can't be that it was a dream. Right. Like whatever whatever corner we boxed ourselves in, we have to make a, a logical way to get out of it. Um, and that's what I did at the end of the show. It's like, okay, so what have we said about Yokus? And where can we take Yokus now and let the audience know that she's going to be all right or not all right? Um, and I don't think it's hard at all. I just think you have to respect um, the world you created and, and the expectations you put in people's minds. Respect it. Don't, don't um, you know, there's a way writers here have a tendency to um to uh this this kind of thing happened on lost and i think a little bit happened on game of thrones 
I, like, I know Damon really well, and I've said this to Damon, so this is not Damon Lindelof. Um, who we, we, cover the, the, two, we cover Lost 2 with. That's one of yeah. the other shows. I'm looking forward and to I've had this conversation with him, so I'm not talking out of school. Um, they got a little bit lost in the audience not being right. You know what I mean? There were all these fan guesses about what happened, and he got a little bit like... Um, and I think the same thing happened with Game of Thrones, that, that, that you can get so lost in the audience not being right that you do things that don't make any sense. So there's no way they could have thought that. Because why would you think Bran was going to be the king? Like, what? That makes no sense at all in the world that was created. And, and you know, and then Tyrion says, who has a better story than Bran? My answer, everybody <laughs> had a better story than Bran. Everybody in the show. But anyways. Um, Which show had a worse ending, Lost or Game of Thrones? <sighs> well, Game of Thrones is pre- I'm pretty raw. Game of Thrones is pretty raw. I think that, that the ending of Lost um, just didn't make a lot of sense. It's just sort of like, uh, you know, a time-traveling island just sort of didn't fit in the world that they had created. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, whatever. That's their choice. I mean, it's it's their choice to do how they, you know, how they want to do it. Um, I just felt like like something like Game of Thrones, if you just respected what the world that you created and what you did with these characters, you could have done an ending that was satisfying to you and to the audience. See, I don't have a, I don't have a problem with the audience being right. Some writers get kind of caught up in the fact that, that I'm smarter than the audience and they're not going to be right. I think it's cool that if, if a wife can look at her husband and say, see, I told you, I think that's pretty cool. I mean, we did an episode of Criminal Minds, at, uh, a season ender that ended with a, uh, uh, what's called a, a, book, a book code. It ended with a puzzle. Um, and I thought, okay, this is going to take all summer for the audience to figure out like what it is. They figure it out in a day. I went online and the answer to the puzzle the whole, was a poem. The whole thing was written online the next day. Wow. And, I, and from that point on, I'm like, wow, the audience is smart. I'm maybe going to try to be smarter than the audience. They're <laughs> smarter than me. Um, so, so I just don't think that it's, it's tragic that the audience be smarter than you. That's interesting. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah. Well, I, I know, I mean, our co-hosts that sort of do the Third Watch episodes with this, Brandy and Darvell, a lot of sort of the questions they've given to me to ask you have actually answered throughout this. But, I mean, I think one of the common ones here, and you sort of touched on it, I think, before, about is would Third Watch work in today's landscape? And I think on that question, I mean, a lot of things that were covered in Third Watch, I feel, were very ahead of their time. We talk about Season 2, sort of uh, the episode where, where Face Molly Price's character had the abortion, things like that. You have, um, you know, the school yeah. shooting. It, and the things are still very relevant to this day. But I, I guess, would it work today in terms of some of the things? Because obviously, late 90s, early 2000s, there were a lot of terminologies and words and things like that that you could get away with back then. You probably couldn't get away with now, so... Is that something that you would have to adapt to today's landscape oh. if you were to bring Third Watch back into into today? I'm a little curious what you mean by terminologies that we couldn't use now. Well, I, I, there was sort of, uh, I think in season one, there was the episode around the, the gay shootings and it was just kind of the way, like the, I think the words like fag was used so loosely. Oh, and oh yeah, yeah. Things, things like yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. Um, where and, right. and, and obviously the context of the character, I understand that, you know, you can probably fit that in, but I, I would assume that that was something you probably couldn't get away with today so loosely. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that that that's necessarily true. I think you you, you um um there's definitely a different sensibility about some of these things, but I don't know that as that as as writers and and creators you can really censor yourself that way. Mm-hmm. Um I, yeah, I think there's probably you're probably right. There are there are things that that we've sort of become more woke about. Um but 
But in the overall, in the main, a show like like Third Watch could definitely exist today. Um, I think that that um, well, especially because what we were portraying was was being on the streets of of a big city. Um, and as long as you, as long as the audience is aware of what the box is, of what world you're in, I think as long as you're being true to that world, I think. Um, I, I mean, I think of things like The Wire. I mean, The Wire was very graphic, and I think it would definitely work today. Um, I think that that people will be will kind of accept the world that you build for them as long as you're true to that world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is um, given that it is 2019. Everything seems to be getting rebooted. I've got to ask, what are the prospects of a reboot or <laughs> bringing Third Watch back at all? <laughs> um, to be honest with you, I think if there was any chance of it, it was probably ruined by all of these these NBC shows. You know, the, I mean, because you know, NBC basically does Third Watch in five different versions. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I would love to see it come back on. I would love to to, to continue telling their stories. Although it's been a long time. I mean, as, as I said to uh, Skipper on on the Twitter feed, it's like, yeah, but we ended ended the show with Sully fishing. Mm-hmm. So what are we going to do about Sully? Um, so yeah, I mean, it would work, and sort of a new a new version of it, like a uh, a whole new, a whole new cast. I mean, there was nothing about the show that couldn't sustain new cast members, and and so yeah, I definitely think it could work. I just don't think that NBC would ever be the place to do it because, as I said, they they do it five versions of it right now. Do do you watch a show like Nine One One? I know we talked to this a little bit with um with Guy, and that I mean it it seems that so many of the storylines are recycled from Third Watch. Like literally, I feel like I'm watching Nine One One every week, going, "Hey, Third Watch did this. Third Watch did this." I mean, I guess it's hard in yeah. a show like that not to avoid those conflicts. But do you sometimes laugh watching Nine One One? Uh, I don't actually watch a lot of those shows. It's it's it, um, having been a cop is very it's difficult for me to watch cop shows because because I'm always yelling at the screen and going <laughs> that's bullshit. Um, that wouldn't happen. That's ridiculous. Um, so I don't watch a lot of them. Um, I've watched episodes of each one of them, and uh, you know, they're you know Charles Carroll produced some Chicago Fire, so I, it's 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 a fine show. Um, it's they're just not my cup of tea. It's it's I sort of I I think the only real draw card to me watching it is that I was actually a, I'm a really big fan of Ryan Murphy and basically everything he touches I will watch. Um, so, and then kind of when I saw it coming out going, Hey, that sounds like third watch. It sort of was like Ryan Murphy's third watch. I've got to watch that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, I think they seem to go for more of a comedic tone with nine one one, kind of a bit more of the unbelievable as opposed to, I think third watch could be grounded. I find when, when, when it comes to cop shows, when writers don't really know what, what, what a character would feel in that moment, they, they kind of default to jokes. Mm Mm-hmm. To, to being funny about it, because um, I don't know that they have any frame frame of reference for what it feels like to be these people, um, and I, and I think that 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 what it feels like to be a, a police officer is police officers especially is missing um, on television today. That a, a lot of what's done about cops is from the perspective of the cops being wrong, um, and 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 no one really sort of is writing what it feels like to be these cops and. Uh, I mean, that's one of the reasons I don't watch them. I just think it's missing. I think that it's about the plot. It's about. It's not about who they are mm-hmm. as characters. I've got to ask you, I mean, we could sit here for, for hours. Trust me, sure. I really could. Um, but yourself now, post-third watch, obviously Criminal Minds, you're involved in that, uh, several other projects. I mean, what's going on for you for you right now as of uh, 2019? Yeah, I was uh, I was recently hired to – I just finished a show called – I did a show called Ice for E1. It's, it's uh, uh, for the audience network. Um uh, which is about a, a 
family involved in the diamond trade in Los Angeles. Um, and uh, as I said before we, we came on, I, I spent we did five episodes in South Africa and five in Vancouver. Um, so enough traveling for me. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I was recently hired by um, the company Ubisoft to write a show about professional gamers. So that's what I'm working on right now, sort of a behind the scenes, like a, like a Friday Night Lights in the, in the eSports world. Great. Um, so, so that's what I'm working on right now. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, it's it's. I think that the most fascinating thing I find about your career is going back from the very beginning where we said you sort of start as a, you're a cop, you sort of have this hobby is, well, you turn to writing and then you kind of, here you are now still in Hollywood, you know, writing these scripts and being involved yeah. in these great shows. I mean, I guess you probably still would have to pinch yourself every now and then to think that this is where you are in your career. Every day I do. Um, uh, you know, I, I live in a in a in a place that's that's very it's the the it's called the high desert and and we have horses and and I can't believe that the on the life that I've been able to to live thanks to shows like Third Watch and and, and all the people who work on them. Um, I always find that showrunners get way too much credit for for these shows when they're made by hundreds of people. Um, and and the one thing I, that I I never do is is ever forget that. The reason I, I'm able to do the things that I do, I'd be able to do this job is because of hundreds of other people on these things. And, and, and I, I um, am eternally grateful to every one of them, um, because, like I said in the beginning, writing a script is nothing. At the end, it doesn't exist. I mean, no one's going to pay me to sit in like a wing deck chair and read them my script. So it, it requires a bunch of other people to come in and, and interpret it and put it in front of you and do their amazing work. Um or you'll never ever see anything. You've ne- you would never have heard of me. So so um, yeah, I'm I'm eternally grateful to all the people who who have made this life possible. And and I get to you know uh, I'm not my huge Chicago Bears fan from Chicago. And Matt Nagy is the coach of the Chicago Bears, and he did a a a, a commencement address a couple of weeks ago, and he talked about being. Um, that 95% of people are unhappy in their jobs. He said, when you, when you look around you in a red light, almost everybody's unhappy. He said, try to be part of the 5% that loves what they do. And luckily for me, I am now part of the 5%. I mean, I would do the, this job for nothing. And luckily, they don't ask me to. But um, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm, I'm so grateful that I get a chance to do something I love to do. Um, and, and yeah, I'm the luckiest dude in the world, man. Pinch yourself wouldn't even be enough. I need to like hit myself with a hammer. Um, (laughs) I love hearing that. But yeah, I'm so lucky. That's great. Great so to hear lucky. that. I tell you what, Ed. We're, we're, as we wrap this up, I'll let you know that later this year we are we are planning on doing sort of a twentieth uh, anniversary special for Third Watch. So uh, we'll have to get you back on. We're trying to see if we can get some of the Love guys back anytime. together as a reunion. I can't believe it's and... been an hour. I can't believe it's already been an hour. I would do it anytime, Ben. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll get shot every week. I'll talk to you about every single episode you've ever written, and uh, we'll go for that. You let me know. I would happily do that. I would happily do that. Let me know. And a massive thanks to Ed for his time. Uh, fantastic chat there. Such a lot of fun. And uh, we are going to get Ed back on. Uh, we will chat to him again. Don't worry about that. Plenty of bases that we haven't covered. And whether or not it is in form of another interview, similar to what we did with Guy Norman B, uh, of course, we're going to be celebrating the 20th anniversary later this year as well. So uh, we we definitely appreciate Ed's time and we look forward to having him back on the show. Very 
fascinating. I'm still giddy with excitement, the fact that that just happened and that we've been able to bring that to you today. Moving forward with our Third Watch coverage, of course, every Wednesday on the Oz Network, uh, moving rapidly forward with the show, closing out Season 5 very shortly, and then we're going to be moving into the final season of Season 6. And, of course, at the end of that, we will bring you a series recap, the whole show, And after that, too, we will be publishing an article where we rank every single episode of Third Watch. You heard me talk briefly to that, of course, to Ed during that interview. If you listen to us each week, you are aware that that's what I do going along with it. So that article will come up uh, at the end of season six of course with everything that runs that way so stay tuned to that if you haven't already please subscribe to our podcast itunes spotify stitcher google Podcasts, wherever good podcasts are available and we would very much appreciate you leaving us some feedback rating us and it helps us get out there a little bit more so we would definitely appreciate that as well and of course we're on all the social channels Except for, uh, what's that one that we always forget about? Uh, Pinterest. Thank you. I've gone completely blank on that. Who uses Pinterest? Um, sorry if you use Pinterest. I'm just apparently offending you. Um, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Subscribe. We're on uh, uh, Instagram too. I was about to say iTunes again. Wow, I'm losing it at the end of this episode. Uh, well, you can stay up to date on everything. And, of course, our website, theoznetwork.net. All our episodes are on there. You can find everything that we've ever done through there. Uh, Very easy to navigate as well. You can find TV sections, movie sections, interview sections, Third Watch, Nip Tuck, Lost, uh, everything under the one roof there at the oznetwork.net. We like to keep you uh, all in the one place so that you know where to go. Once again, thanks to Ed for his time. Thanks for Ed's uh, assistant Alexa too for organising that as well for us today. And a big thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in to this episode. Bye for now. My name is Ben and we are going right now. So thank you for tuning in and we'll speak to you next time on The Oz Network. Thank you for listening to The Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net. 